My dear friends, today I would like to speak of several points that are brought forth in today's Mass. The first thing I would like to mention is the duty, rather the commandment, to rejoice. Look at the first words of the epistle today. Rejoice always. The apostle doesn't say, please try to be happy. He doesn't say, you should try to do things that make you happy. It is rather an injunction, a commandment, because as I have mentioned before, to rejoice is an act of virtue. To be happy is an act of virtue. It's something that we do voluntarily. And if you hesitated, maybe you think this is just kind, kind words from the Apostle. Maybe it's not something that I should take very seriously. The Apostle doubles, doubles down by saying, I say again, rejoice. Now, my dear friends, before I speak of what this happiness means, I want to tell you why is this commandment necessary? I'm sure you're all familiar with St. Ignatius of Loyola. He was a soldier who, become a great, who became excuse me, a great saint and a very deep and insightful spiritual leader. He's known for his book, The Spiritual Exercises, where he uncovers a number of spiritual strategies to overcome the devil. Now, in this book, there is a very interesting part where St. Ignatius tells us how the devils and the angels act towards our soul. He tells us how they both influence our soul in different ways. He says that when we are evil and we are committing sin, the devil will encourage us. He will make us feel good, comfortable in our situation. On the other hand, the guardian angels will give us guilt. They will make us feel bad about ourselves. They will cause us so to speak, a spiritual pain, in order to bring us out of that state. This explains why sometimes one sees people who are living in sin, and they quite specifically say that they felt guilty at one point, and they felt bad about themselves, but they finally managed to entirely shut that down, to entirely get rid of their guilt, and now they feel very good, they feel at peace. So what happened with people in those situations is that Quite literally, the guardian angel has been ignored to the point that the soul becomes unworthy to keep receiving those inspirations, and the devil has been allowed to continue alluring that soul into evil. The devil has been allowed to give to that soul a false peace and comfort. So that happens when the soul is evil. But when the soul is good, the contrary is true. When a soul is good, when a soul is in the state of grace, the angels, the good angels, will give it consolation, peace, light, encouragement. But the devil will cause this soul to feel guilty, sad, angry, fearful. The devil tries by all means to deviate this soul. And here there is something very important to consider. If the devil doesn't manage to make the soul sin, fall into sin, the devil will consider it a victory if it at least manages to make that soul feel sad and miserable. Even if the soul doesn't sin, for him to make that soul suffer for being good, that's a win. And that is why, my dear friends, whenever people are striving for good, when they're looking for perfection, when they're attempting to have a more serious spiritual life, or to get engaged in works of charity, 
or even if people have just persevered for a while, coming to Mass, going to the sacraments, being a good Catholic, you will see that at times they experience fear, sadness, monotony, feelings of discouragement. But it is not that this bitterness is a fruit of religion. It is that the devil is tempting you to make you lose what you have. And so to know these things is very important so that we are not deceived. How do you fight this temptation of the devil when you're trying to be good and he's trying to make you feel miserable? Well, you fight it with what the epistle tells us today. Gaudete semper. Iterum dico, gaudete. Rejoice always. And I tell you again, rejoice. A good example of this can be found in the life of St. Teresa of the Child Jesus. Teresita, as she liked to be, that was the name that she liked, Teresita had grown all her life with one problem. She was overly sensitive. Now, we shouldn't blame this on her. It wasn't something that she had through her fault. Remember that uh, Teresita had lost her mother when she was very young. No doubt, the lack of her mother caused her to have some sort of mental or emotional fragility. And she says herself that it would suffice with the slightest thing for her to, be, to break down in tears, to cry, to leave the room. She was very virtuous, she was very good at that age already, but at the same time, she couldn't help but to be sad and melancholic most of the time. And to get rid of this, she prayed for a long time asking God to rid her of this. Now one day she was somewhere in her house and she overheard her father saying something that hurt her, something that involved her, that was about her and that caused her pain. Her first reaction, of course, or her first instinct, I should say, was to break out into tears again. But it was time for her to be moved by the grace of God. At that moment, and at that split second, she wanted to be good, she wanted to control also her emotions, and so she hid for a moment and then came out with the greatest smile on her face. She was breaking inside. Inside she was torn to pieces, but outside she was playing and singing and acting as if nothing had affected her. Her feelings were hurt, and as I said, she was hurting inside. But she realized that hurt is not reasonable, it's not true. And so I'm not going to let that master me anymore. I'm not going to listen to those feelings inside because I know they are nothing but passions, it's only blood. Instead I'm going to use my reason and I'm going to have outside the reaction, the feelings that I should have reasonably. She now had the power to determine when and how she would be happy. She had the power to rejoice. My dear friends, to be able to do this, three things are necessary. The first one is to be in the state of grace. If you really want to be able to have this true happiness, there needs to be a, a real reason for it. True happiness cannot be false. It cannot be something that we just say and we try to do deceiving ourselves. There has to be a good justification to be happy. And for us as Christians, that justification, that reason is to be in the grace of God. You might be having a very miserable day, people might be bothering you, insulting you, maybe someone is being hurtful to you, maybe you had to put up with some very stressful situations at work, 
But if at the end of all these bad things that happened to you today, you are able to sit back and say, Wow, I haven't fallen into sin for so long, for this long. That is so great that I've been for so long without sin. If you're able to say that, you will be able to have real, true, and lasting happiness. Now, when one is in this stage, you can look back at those moments when you were in sin and think of how miserable, how sorry, how bad you felt in that state, and then look at yourself now and see how happy you are to be out of all those things. When you're in this state, you can look to the future, to heaven that awaits you. You can look at how you have so many friends in the saints in heaven. And perhaps even people that admire your efforts, maybe the saints, you know, without vainglory, but maybe the saints look at you and they say, wow, look at how well he's doing. And maybe they think well of you. That is something that is very encouraging. It's something that should give us cheerfulness and happiness. And it's something that is true. That's the most important thing. So that's the first thing that we need if we want to rejoice to be in the state of grace. The second thing we need to be re able to rejoice is to try to do what's right. Now, let me explain this. I mean to say that it doesn't suffice with you not sinning. Besides refraining from sin, you need to do what God wants you to do. I was talking to this about this to the group uh, of the men's group yesterday. If you ask yourself before every action, is this pleasing to God? Is this what God would want me to do? Well, I'll do what God wants me to do. You will find yourself making better decisions, which ultimately will lead you to your happiness. Not only that, but if you do what you ought to do, if you do what's right in every situation, trying to do what God wants you to do, in every act of virtue, there is in itself a certain reward. Because every time that you do something good, you feel better, you get closer to God, your abilities increase, you gain peace, you gain confidence. There is a certain inner happiness that comes with every act of virtue. I'd like to finish by telling you the third thing that you need to do in order to rejoice, and that is to correct yourself, to amend yourself. Because hearing all these things, you might say to yourself, well, basically, Father, what you're saying is that to rejoice, I have to be perfect. So... Uh, so long with that, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not perfect. But no, that's not what I'm saying. Because here is the beautiful thing about our faith. You are never tied so badly to sin and evil that you cannot break free. There is no chain that binds you to sin in such a way that you cannot break free from it. What's more, it is incredibly easy to break free. free. All you have to do is really want it. Find those things that you need to correct. Change them. Remove them. Cut them out of your life. Tell God immediately, I am sorry for this. Out of love for you, I am sorry for this. From my heart, I am sorry for this. You don't need to wait to do this. Don't need to wait until you go to confession. Don't need to wait until the next Sunday. Do it right now. And then go to confession, yes. But you can start being good right away, right now. Go to confession when you can. And as soon as you leave the confessional... Remember, you are brand new. Your sins are gone. You're off to a new start. It's so easy. 
But what if I fall? What if I fall again? As often as you fall, as often you get up. The sooner you get up, the more decidedly that you get up, the less and less you will fall. And when you see yourself as a champion in a race, running past your vices, running past your defects, running past your past, you will find yourself at that place of which St. Paul speaks today, rejoicing. All of this, my dear friends, for Jesus, through Jesus and with Jesus, without whom we can do nothing, and with whom everything is possible for us. With these resolutions, we prepare for Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.